0: and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8:30 or 11 o'clock a.m at our Todds Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. At peace or whether we are as discontented as can be, Find us. Help us find you. Lord, open our hearts and minds to hear your word for what it is a source of hope, a source of liberation, and a word for us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Who has hopes and dreams? Please tell me there's more. Who has hopes and dreams? Okay. Uh, do they? Do they? Are they the same hopes and dreams you had in second grade? No, right? In second grade, I looked, I hoped, and longed for two things: the weekend and summer break. Uh, second grade was the year that we did uh, definitions for homework. We had to look up words in the dictionary and write down their definitions, and I dreaded every week of school. But the weekends where we could cut up and have fun, that was what I looked forward to. And then the summer, we'd go to the river with my neighbors and basically spend the entire summer on the water. It was something to hope for. <laughs> that was not my source of hope forever. Uh, as I got older, I started to hope and dream about uh, what I might do. Uh, and as, as we do when we're younger, some weeks it was things like, I'd like to be a doctor. And some weeks it was things like, I'd love to be Superman. Uh, our, our hopes and dreams change. Uh, as I got older... Uh, especially after high school, my my dreams uh, got a different focus. Uh, I went to college for about two months and then dropped out. I was miserable where I was. I moved back home and began working kind of menial job after menial job and felt rudderless. And so my hope became, God, give me some purpose in life, something that will define me. Uh, That was my dream for years. It took a long time for uh, God's rudder in my life to actually make sense. As I've gotten even older, my, my dreams and hopes change. May I uh, do something that transcends me. Uh, may I as a pastor be someone who points people to the Creator God, to our Savior Christ. May, may it not be about me. Um, since we've had kids, my hopes have, have really changed. Um, I don't know what I expected before kids, but since then, I've really been thinking about what my hopes and dreams are for them. Uh, we named our kids very intentionally. Our, our five-year-old boy is Josiah. You'll see him around here. Uh, if you'd shake his hand during greeting the neighbors, it would make his week. Um, but we named Josiah very intentionally. He's this uh, king in the Old Testament who discovers the law, who proclaims the law and announces that there's freedom in it. And, and the nation of Israel is different because they encounter God through the word. Our hope is that Josiah is a person who people encounter God through. Now, do I hope he makes something of himself? Do I hope he is successful? Do I hope these things? Yes, but my first hope is that he is a person who shines the light of Christ wherever he goes. I'm convinced the rest will work itself out. I know that was my parents' prayer for me, especially in those seasons of wondering what I was going to do. I know my father's prayer was, may at least he bear witness to God's goodness. We named our daughter daughter Parker. Uh, My mother's maiden name was uh, Parker. And uh, we hope she becomes like my mother. My mother was the one that people could turn to uh, when they needed someone safe. Uh, Whenever there was conflict in my life or uncertainty or I don't know what to do, I would go to my mother because I knew even if I had screwed up royally, she was a safe person. My sister uh, found her mom to be her person. After she died, we had student teacher after student teacher come to us and talk about that they're the teacher they are and the person they are because of Miss Foster who mentored them in their college days. We had students writing letters about how uh, they got notes from Mrs. Foster five years after graduation encouraging them. We want Parker to be a person that people go to and see as, uh, as that kind of person. These are the hopes that uh, I both uh, dream with uh, delight and that keep me up at night. Because uh, it's hard to be those kind of people in this world. Uh, when you look at the news, when you look around, it's hard to have those hopes and dreams. But that becomes my prayer. My hopes from second grade look nothing like my hopes today. And I'm sure for many of you, your hopes today look nothing like second grade. Frankly, they might look nothing like they looked last week. Um, we recognize that life can have pretty dramatic ways of changing what our, our outlook is. Uh, whether it's uh, something personal to us, a new diagnosis, whether it's something external, a global crisis, we know that uh, our hopes and desires can change as individuals. What's our hope and desire as a people, as a church, as those created in the image of God? Uh, I think we absolutely are invited to consider our individual hopes and dreams, but... Uh, I think it's another thing to consider, what is our hopes and dreams for the world as a collective? Because that seems directly to be the case in Scripture, that God meets individuals where they are. We hope to bring forth life. And he meets Abraham and Sarah where they, they are, but then he, he offers them hope on a, on a communal scale. What's the hope for Israel? What's the hope for the world? This series we've been in is about the hope for an entire nation, The hope for the people of Israel in the midst of exile. They've gone out into a foreign land, and now they have to figure out, how do we hope? When everything has fallen apart, how can we hope? How can we dream? We're no longer a nation. We're no longer a people. God's blessings don't seem to be on us. We're not in the land. How do we hope and dream? And so God's been offering them each week this promise. I'll bring you back into the land. It's going to take a while. You're going to have to sit here and we're going to have to do some work, but I will bring you back into the land. While you're here, take spouses, have children, seek the well-being of Babylon because your well-being comes from it. So not only am I going to bring you back into the land, but you're still to be a nation. Next week, we're going to hear about how God promises a leader, a sense of direction from uh, kind of the leader of the people. But this week's hope is different. It's not a hope that you think is going to come uh, that day. Because God has made clear this is not our horizon. Our hope is not what's happening in the next 24 hours or the next week. Our hope is what's happening in generations. And our hope is what's happening for Israel. And the hope is pretty profound that he offers. Look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth You could just stop right there and say, this is a pretty big deal. That God is going to, God, the creator of the universe, the one who can hold the cosmos in the palm of his hand, is going to do something new. I am making heaven and earth new. That's a word of hope, if you've ever heard one. Whether you're sitting in Babylon or sitting in the 40509, that God is a God of new things, and that God will make this new. Past events won't be remembered. To a people who are sent into exile for, their, ju- for their, uh, their choices, for failing to worship Yahweh and for failing to care for humanity, God says, I am going to forget these. I'm going to make new things, a new heaven, a new earth. I won't remember these past events. Be glad and rejoice forever because I'm creating, I'm creating Jerusalem for joy and her people will be sources of gladness you sit by the rivers of Babylon, the image of Jerusalem begins to fade. If you think back to uh, those places that were precious as a child, can you remember them as clearly as you did back then? Uh, I try to picture the river that we would hope for in second grade, and I can't remember what the house looked like anymore. I remember the porch, and I remember the dock, but I can't even remember what the house looks like. Imagine sitting by the rivers of Babylon and hoping for Jerusalem, longing for what she might be. And God says she'll be a source of joy and she will be new. And in Jerusalem, people will be glad no one will ever again hear the sound of weeping or crying. That alone can be the source of hope. Yahweh promises to a people who surely are crying as they realize the weight of what they've done no more crying, no more tears. No more will babies live only a few days or the old uh, fail to live out their days. The one who dies at a hundred will be like a young person. The one falling short of a hundred will seem cursed. Death was never part of God's plan in creation. Death happens after the fall. Death happens after we lose access to the tree of life as a result of our sin. As God makes heaven and earth new, death begins to lose its sting and ultimately will completely lose its sting. People won't labor in vain, nor will they bear children in a wor- world of horrors. I think we can relate to what it might feel like to wish for a world where you don't bear your children into a world of horrors. Uh, I, I used to listen to NPR on the car radio a lot, um, and I did it with Josiah in the car as a little baby, and it, you know, this, he's back there cooing or whatever, uh, and I'm listening. But as he got older, I realized I have to actually stop this uh, he's maybe two or three, and uh, I listened to this whole segment uh, about uh, children being killed in, uh, in Rohingya, Myanmar, and Burma. And I, uh, I burst into tears when Josiah said, Daddy, why are they killing kids? This is a horror my child should not know about. The horrors of Babylon were horrors that they should not know about. The horrors of what life in Jerusalem looked like before exile are things they should not know about. A world where people treat other people as objects, as things to be used and manipulated. A world where your worth is determined by your your literal monetary value. It's a horror that children should not be born into. And God says, they will not be as I make these things new. Before they even call on me, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. God, who is as big as the universe, is going to be intimately, directly present in the desires of humanity's heart. You're not going to be standing out here wondering where I am. Ezekiel cried out because he saw the presence of God leave the temple, and he wondered where God would be, and God assures them that he is there. Last week, Todd told us that the temple was going to be beautiful not because of the building, because it's never going to be beautiful. The temple was going to be beautiful because the presence of God was going to dwell there And God assures us this week that he will hear our words before we begin to speak them. All of creation is going to be restored. Wolf and lamb will graze together. Lion will eat straw like an ox. No one will hurt or destroy anyone on this holy mountain. Sin didn't just affect the nation of Israel. It affected the whole of humanity. But even beyond humanity, it affected the whole of the created order. Animals began to relate to each other not as they should. Our world groans under the weight of sinfulness, and God says, I'm gonna fix all of this. We look around and clearly God has not yet fixed all of this, has he? Every one of these hopes that God gives Israel is still a hope at the time of Christ. Israel has been fairly faithful through empire after empire through empire. God, you said you're gonna make us a nation. You said you would bless us. You said that we would be, uh, that your presence would be in the temple and it would be splendor. You said that we would have new creation and new earth. We're going to learn more next week about the leader he said they would have. They expect all these things, and this is what they're hoping that the Messiah will announce, that the anointed one of God will come and say, the day of the Lord is at hand. War is breaking out, and we are taking down Rome. We are going to be victorious and we will be a people and we will be tough. So they look for a new David to come in with his mighty men. Warrior after warrior says, ha, I'm God's anointed. And then a carpenter's son from Nazareth comes, a Hebrew school dropout who goes in the temple and says, "Uh, I'm in my father's house. Uh, rabbi who invites his students not to uh, the, uh, the letter of the law but to the heart of the law. A teacher who says, I want to show you what it means to love God and love our neighbor who says, it's nothing like you think. You expect me to condemn this person over here, I'm going to invite them to the table with me. You want me to stay away from her, I'm going to offer her water. Water. Christ comes in this great inverted messiahship that looks nothing like they plan and turns the world on its head. He comes and says, the day of the Lord is at hand, but you are not ready for this. For it doesn't look like a military battle. It looks like laying your life down for those you love. It looks like saying that someone who the world says is less than is a child created in the image of God. It's a messiahship that looks like dying. The most absurd Roman death you could die. And the people who were closest to them still didn't get it. The people who had around Jesus day after day still didn't get that they could hold on hope. They go right back to fishing just as soon as he is dead. I guess he wasn't. He had told them what was going to happen, and they go back to fishing for fish. It takes a resurrection encounter and then Pentecost for the people to get it. For those who had spent years walking side by side with Jesus, they still didn't get what was going on. But once they met the resurrected Jesus, and once the Spirit was poured out on them, the world was never the same. It took generations for Rome to grow as big as it did. In the first 200 years, the church spreads out farther than the Roman Empire ever could have thought it would be. And it does it by declaring at place after place, That the year of the Lord is at hand. That new heaven and new earth are breaking in in these little spots. The church becomes a beacon of hope in this one little part of town saying that Christ has come and Christ will come again. That our hope, though it doesn't seem like it is there yet, is coming. That God is faithful and will do what he has said. Because it's people who've met the resurrected Christ. But even then, those first disciples thought it would come quicker. They thought in their lifetime Christ would come again. They thought, give it a little bit, Christ will come again, and all this will be made well. 2,000 years later, we still hope. We still look for those promises. But we can do it with hope. John of Patmos records in Revelation these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, "'Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people.'" God will be, himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. He said, Write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, All is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give freely. I will give water from the life-giving spring. Those who emerge, will, emerge victorious will inherit these things. I will be their God, and they will be my sons and daughters. Friends, often in the church we do a disservice to the whole of the Bible, because we start with Genesis 3 and we end with Revelation 20. We start with, we are sinners who have messed up royally, and we go all the way to judgment. Friends, the Bible's got two more chapters at the beginning and two more at the end. It starts with God creating the entire order and calling it good, creating humanity in his image and saying we were very good, and then journeying with us all the way after sin until he chases us back to new creation and meets us there, until his grace finds us at eternity. Because the story doesn't stop at judgment. The story stops as heaven comes down to earth and all things are made new. Uh, we have an anemic faith if all we're looking forward to is escaping to cloudy heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven coming down to earth and me seeing my friend who died when he was 16. To me seeing my mother until we see God dwelling right in our midst. Till the tree of life is right beside us and things are made new. I'm not just looking forward to not going to hell. I'm looking forward to the time when there's no more pain and no more tears and no more sorrow. Friends, we need a deeper version of what the church can be because if we're just trying to avoid hell we just get people saved we want to point people to new heaven and new earth and we do it one little speck at a time we do it when we invite somebody to jingle jam we do it when we go and meet them where they are we do it when we have coffee with that friend who is struggling let's take and make the church what christ has called her to be his covenant people who declare that the day of the lord is at hand amen i think i'm going to stop preaching because i could keep going right now (laughs) Kathy's looking a little worried up here in the front row. <laughs> Friends, I've got one story. The whole of God's story matters. Christ's grace has found us from creation into eternity, and he wants to find you today and lavish you with grace. Our God isn't somebody trying to avoid us. It's a God chasing after us. A God who wants to dwell in the cool of the garden with us like he did in the very beginning of the story. Would you pray with me? God, may your grace find us in this very moment. And may you be the source of our hope. Lord, when we try to trust our own ways, when we try to trust even other people, we're so often disappointed. May we remember that you're our source of our hope. And may we hope for big things and point people to those big things. May we be a people who hear your cry and declare that the day of the Lord is at hand. Lord, stir our hearts to be aware of the people you would send us to. Lord, don't let us be consumers of your grace only. Help us be those who go and become your very grace bearers in the world, announcing that you, you are doing a new thing. Lord, don't let us settle for old things. Don't let us look back to the past. Help draw our hearts to imagine what you might do as you do new things, both here in the 40509 and across the whole of the created order. It's in your name we pray and by the power of your Holy Spirit.